Hello, and welcome to the podcast with Suzanne and Amy, brought to you by Homeschool Life Magazine. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Amy. And this is episode 11, and we're recording on Saturday, February 11th, uh, 2017. That's right. Did I get the date right? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Amazing. Awesome. Now, I imagine to start out, some of our, our longtime listeners, if we have any longtime listeners, if we have any longtime listeners, might have a few questions about the podcast, including what happened to episode 10. <laughs> yeah. And where we've been for the past few months. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we should, we should apologize for the long, unexplained space between podcasts. That's right. So we did, we did record in December. That's episode 10, which I guess will be up by the time you see this. Um, but we like to call it the lost episode because we, I think it was what late November, or early December that we recorded and, um, gosh, between the holidays and then kind of all the horrific things that were happening, like with the world, uh, we never quite got around to putting it up. This is Suzanne being nice and Suzanne, you don't have to be nice to me. Suzanne did everything that she needed to do on her end to put it up. Um, when we make a podcast, uh, the way that it works is Suzanne and I record the podcast and then Suzanne's wonderful husband, Philip puts it together and he sends it to me and I make the show notes, all the little links, you know, to all the things that we talk about and post it on the website. So it's a very small job that I have to do there at the end. And I swear with this podcast, I would open it, I would start to listen to it, and I would just stare at my blank <laughs> Word document and then go do something else. I'd, I, it was completely my fault. Suzanne is an innocent, innocent victim of my, um, I don't know what, even know what to call it, my, my, my slough of despondency. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I always wondered how you say that word. Um, no, see, I just want everyone to admire how I've set it up so that, you know, my husband, Philip, does a sound engineering. You do all of the, like, posting and link making. I just have to talk about myself for an hour. And that's, like, one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. So I'm just, you know, admiring how I've set it up. Yeah, if you ever wondered who is the genius behind the podcast with Suzanne and Amy, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Clearly genius, genius material. So, um, so yes. And then we've kept, we kept making appointments with each other. Like, all right, we're going to podcast. We're going to get, because we like podcasting. We like talking to each other. Um, but we just, we just, then we kept, I mean, I canceled and she canceled and we just kept canceling on each other because there was a lot of depression going around. And also, you had a really great excuse last Saturday for why we weren't podcasting. Yes, I volunteered at a, a rally for refugees here in Atlanta, which was a, which was great. I I loved doing it; it was wonderful. But um, right, yeah this this raises a a question that Suzanne and I have have had. Um, I guess um, I guess we're kind of coming out. <laughs> That's right. We're coming out of the closet, except I don't think it's. It's really so much a closet as maybe a, a super transparent screen of some kind. Like what are those little masks you hold up to your eyes while you're wearing your I'm with her t-shirt? I, right, I don't right. know. But um, yeah, we are pretty much hardcore liberal progressives. Um, and I don't think we've tried to hide that on the podcast. Although I have, we have consciously tried not to discuss specific political events for a variety of reasons. One of the big ones being, it's sometimes hard to hear that from every direction. And sometimes you want to break, you want to go someplace where you don't have to listen to that. But when we started talking about this podcast, I think we were both in a place where, you know what, we can't, we can't not talk about it. It's too much. Um, it has, it's having too much effect on our, our daily life. 
as homeschoolers and as individuals for us to kind of pretend that there's not this big orange elephant in the room. Um, so that's, that's, so we are going to probably, we are going to be talking about current events a little bit and basically our reaction to them, right? How are we, how are we coping? Right. Um, and how do we cope as homeschoolers? Well, because in general, I mean, for most of my life, I have felt that politics is, is sort of like religion. It's right. It's not something that necessarily has to come into every conversation. It doesn't have to permeate your life. Like when we talk about homeschooling, politics doesn't really have to be part of that conversation. Right. That's the way I've always felt. I un agree. Until November. Right. And I think, you know, we did have episode nine and we talked a little bit about homeschooling through tough times and, and that kind of thing. I think maybe, I mean, I certainly did. I think um, I wasn't able to think about the future all that much. I've kind of been taking the future like maybe a couple of days at a time. And um, as Amy's pointed out, when we've talked about it, you know, this is getting used to a new normal. And I think I may have underestimated what that process was going to be like for me. And, um, and also my coping skills normally, which is kind of hide under the covers until it goes away, are not really going to work in this situation for a whole bunch of reasons. Right. So that so, is a valid coping mechanism. It's an excellent coping mechanism, but it only works for short-term things. Um, so yeah, so we are going to talk about that in this podcast and how we're coping. There's going to be some homeschool stuff in there too, I promise. And we're hoping, we're hoping that not every this is not supposed to be our regular new podcast <laughs> Suzanne and Amy on the events of the nation right. is not the goal but right now that's kind of the big hump that we're trying to get over um and oh I, I, I well, feel like a lot of us are trying to get over it I mean right. I I know that we hear from our readers all the time who are who are struggling with the same thing that we are so it seems really disingenuous not to talk about it when it's what we're all thinking about and I know there's a ton of like really good lists and suggestions and all that going around on the internet. I have shamelessly stolen from those and made my own lists because I find making lists soothing. So I will, yeah, so I have lists of my own. I love but I have, that Suzanne has lists. Lists are very nice. Um, I have to say my very first hump to get over was how to refer to the, um, to the person who just got elected. Now, okay, so Philip, my husband, he laughs at me because I don't like to say his name. And he's like, he's not Voldemort. You can say <laughs> the name. And and I have to admit, in conversation, you know, the the man who I do not, he who I do not choose to name, that's kind of a long, a long thing. But I don't want to say the president because that feels too respectful. And I don't want to say idiot head because that doesn't seem appropriate. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying in my hard head. I of a reason why idiot head doesn't seem appropriate. My idiot head doesn't seem appropriate. I mean, it seems accurate. I'm sorry. We said we were out of the closet now, right? Um, uh, so, so I have heard other people are referring to him as 45. So I thought that was an appropriately neutral that I don't have an emotional reaction to 45 like I do when I think of the words president and idiot head in conjunction. I so anyway, actually go the other way. And I yeah. try really hard to refer to him as President Trump because I feel like it reminds me that here is something that I don't have any control over. I, you know, this isn't. Oh, wow. That's that I made. But it is a fact that I can't change. 
No, you're absolutely right. I think that's actually really healthy. I was talking to a friend about this and, and she also said that she'd actually had to practice saying it out loud um, because she didn't like to say it. But I'm going to, I don't mind hearing it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, I'll just say 45. But your point about what we can change and what we can't change, I think is, is really important. You know, there's so much stuff out there on the web right now about stay engaged, stay angry, don't get used to what's happening. As we see executive order and executive order come out, you know, this is not normal. Um, And that's true. I think people saying that they're looking at the historical record, right? We know what can happen when people get complacent and really bad, you know, it can go from bad to worse to worst. Um, But at the same time, it can set up a situation where we feel, I mean, it feels like I'm personally responsible, even though I don't have any control. You know what I mean? It's like, gosh, if I just, you know, I didn't make a phone call today. So now I feel guilty that another executive order got signed and all that. And that's, you know, I am a middle-aged homeschooling mother of four with, you know, I am not a billionaire. (laughs) I have, I have a real limited effect on what's happening in Washington right now. Um, not to say I can't do anything, but you know, I can't control who's going to get appointed to the Supreme court or who the cabinet is going to be. I just, I think, I think we have to acknowledge kind of what we can't do right right now so that we don't get so crazy. And that we don't beat ourselves up about things that we can't do. I know that I try to make calls, but it sounds so silly and overdramatic to say, but like making phone calls is not an easy thing for me. I, I struggle with it. It's hard for me to mentally work up the energy to make a phone call. And when I do it for me, it's a big deal. I don't, I don't try because it would take me literally hours. I mean, and again, that's a weird, it's a weird phobia to have, but I mean, crazy, but, but it's, it's a real thing. And so while I try to make the calls that I feel are the most important, I also try to be really proud of myself for having done that instead of beating myself up for the 200 phone calls I didn't make. And I, I really think we have to know our limits. You know, I mean, if this was happening, I, I keep thinking about, like, say, my family 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago, I had an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Um, I would not, I mean, that's a full-time job, right? It's, it's, if you have small children, if you have aging parents, if you're dealing with a chronic illness personally or or in your family, um, if you're dealing with depression and anxiety, I mean, you may not be able to do anything extra, right? I mean, just surviving right now, I think, um, is is enough. And I think sometimes in all the messages that are going out about stay engaged, stay angry, get involved, you know, we also need to acknowledge that for some people, just making it day to day is hard enough. Yeah. And and that's okay. Um, and I think maybe if we can support each other through that, I mean, if you are if you are somebody who is out there who's able to march or who's able to make the phone calls and you know somebody who feels bad, maybe because I'm sure pe- people feel guilty when they can't. Um and especially as parents, we feel guilty because we feel like, oh, my God, we've screwed up the world that we're going to hand over to our children. Yeah. I mean, so maybe if we can reach out to each other, reach out to people like, you know what, I know this is something that you can't do right now. And so I'm thinking of you when I'm when I'm doing it or, or vice versa. You know, if you aren't able to do it, but you have a friend who's, a, you know, thank you because I can't be out there right now 
And I just really appreciate knowing that you're out there for me. So but we don't have to feel this guilt. Right. I think we can be really kind and supportive of each other in this situation. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I know that I personally appreciate so much the career protesters who've been out there for years doing this mm -hmm. hard work while I've been sitting in my comfortable suburban living room enjoying the benefits of their hard work for my civil right. rights. I'm thankful for them every day. Um, and I'm thankful for, you know, the people who are just going out this weekend and doing one thing and trying to make the world a better place. And I'm grateful for the people who are sitting at home trying to raise their kids to be kind, compassionate people who will make the world a better place. All of those things really matter, maybe more than ever. Right. And if we can and if we can maybe set the guilt aside. Oh, my my dog apparently has some feelings about this conversation. If we can set the guilt aside. <laughs> I totally agree, dog. <laughs> and that's Jackson. His name is Jackson. And and support each other um, and talk about it instead of feeling guilty and like, oh, I can't say anything. You know, um, that's going to we got to get through four years, at least people. Right. Um, so. So, yeah, I just kind of want to acknowledge acknowledge that sometimes just surviving is going to be enough. And it's OK to set priorities. It is OK to set your kids ahead of, you know, it's okay to say, this is my top priority. And the only thing I can do on my list today is check off my top priority. Right. Right. I mean, that is okay. And that's a piece of like finding a new normal in mm -hmm. a situation mm -hmm. that really feels totally unprecedented. I mean, right. I know that, I don't know about you, Suzanne, but I mean, we have been bare minimum homeschooling since ah. November. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I, yeah. I mean, math and read alouds. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, my kids are a little bit older, so I, so I can just give them a stack of things and then go off and crawl under the covers again, which is not super, you know, yay. Don't, don't follow <laughs> that model. That's not, I'm not advocating that, but yeah, it's, it's no, but tough. It's, it's been like that. I mean, and, right. and so it's like finding a new, a new rhythm because this isn't, this isn't going to change quickly. This is, the situation that we're living in right now. And right. we have to right. find I mean, ways to do history and science in spite of that. Right. We've got to pace ourselves. Right. And, and set priorities and then figure out what we, what we can do. Um, so I did. So I made a list. Yay. I made a list of ideas of what we can do. And like I said, these are not brilliant new, new ideas. These are ideas stolen from everywhere, but I actually felt better making this list, even though I can't do everything on this list. So if you find list making soothing, <laughs> I As you. if you listen to this podcast, we suspect that you probably you do. make your own list. So this is in, in no particular order. But um, but I mean, of course, one thing you can do, obviously, is show up for the protests, right? Like you did last Saturday. And then um, Philip and my my older daughter went down to the Atlanta's the Atlanta Women's March. Um, a while back and I wanted to go, but then see, I have asthma and it was raining and nasty weather in Atlanta. So I did not go. Um, but we had over 60,000 people, which I think is pretty, is pretty down good. Um, but and the amazing nice thing about going to those protests, those kinds of events too, is that they really show you how not alone you are. I mean, I, I feel like for me, when I go to things like that, like the rally last weekend, mm -hmm. it's really great to be surrounded by people who are struggling with the same things that you are, because it really feels like 
a situation where a lot of people working together can make a difference. And it's not just all on you to do it. I love that. No, I think it's great for morale. I think it's, 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 it's cheering. It's boosting. I mean, I think they're really great atmosphere. I mean, you know, I know the women's March, everybody I heard from who made it down there was like, it was just lovely. I mean, you felt comfortable, you felt relaxed, you were with everybody. Um, and the security at the Atlanta's women's March was, was fabulous and friendly. And the snipers were waving at everybody. And, and the um, police officers were high-fiving you and you walked. Yeah. Out. I mean, just so much a really, so I think it could be a really inspiring and heartening. Like I'm thinking there's going to be enough protests to go around. <laughs> so maybe just mark your, okay, I'll do it once a month, once a month. That's what I can do. You know, right. Maybe just even, you know, both to, to protest, right. But also to, for your own, for your own mental health, for your own emotional health. And, you know, if you can't protest and there are a lot of people, you know, another reason I was really struggling with going down to the March is I'm not great in huge crowds. Right. Even though from, you know, these crowds, I think have all felt safe and they've felt comfortable. I'm just not good in great crowds. Um, And I know other people who have like physical issues where even if the March quote, you know, isn't very long, just getting down there and is, is a big deal. So, so maybe we can be creative about, we can support other people who are marching, right? Um, you can help with childcare. If you have a, a friends who have young children who want to get involved, but they don't want to take their two-year-old down, right. um, offer to help with childcare, offer to help with transportation. Maybe you're the minivan that drops people off and picks them up. Um, maybe you provide them with a stack of signs. There are so great signs out there. I love the signs. I love the signs. Um, you can, you can offer to pay bail. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet with my little group, but you know, no, you my, know. well, you know, my best friend, Shelly, um, who, you know, Suzanne, um, went to the women's March in Washington and there were some questions when she was kind of making the plans to go about whether protesters would be arrested. And I totally volunteered to drive to Washington and bail her out. That's what we need the people to come to come. I'm considering getting arrested. If there's an opportunity, I'm kind of like, I don't have a career that would be damaged by getting arrested. My children are old (laughs) enough to look after themselves. Um, The only problem is with my asthma, I think tear gas might kill me. Right. So I need to find arrested without tear gas. That's right. I need to find a protest opportunity where I can get arrested, but they promise me there's going to be no tear gas. Well, if you guys find a great opportunity for Suzanne (laughs) to get arrested, please keep her in the loop. In the southeast is what we're looking for. Um, So yeah, but yeah. So I mean, I think I think there are things we can do so that if you can't be out there personally, there is actually a lot of support work that we can do for the people who are going out there. I think childcare is a big one. I think that's amazing. I mean, yeah. now my kids are old enough to take places, but I will see sometimes at marches or at rallies, the mom who has the two-year-old on her hip. And that mom is a hero. That mom is absolutely a hero. But sometimes, you know, it's also, it's also okay to say, you know what, I just want to, I just want to not have to worry about that for this time. Around. Yes. And I think it's great for the kids to go. I mean, I think that's awesome. And as homeschoolers, we have the opportunity to take our kids to these things, um, maybe more than than most people. But um, but it's also, you know, the Women's March was particularly, at least in Atlanta, and I think I think nationwide, I think worldwide, was a safe, homey, comfortable kind of event. I think that they're not all going to be like that. Right. And especially, so I think, more and more as... Mm-hmm protests mm-hmm. kind of become a way that people are responding to this. I think people are going to have less patience with it. 
Well, and the government, I mean, state governments, and I would not be surprised to see federal either, are already starting to try to pass laws to restrict um, the freedom of assembly, right? To restrict protesters. The First Amendment, let's just say. Right. right. So, so as that's happening, it may get more contentious and it may be a place where whether or not it's safe to bring a young child, um, you just don't. You don't want to have to have that worry, right? You want to be able to focus. Right. Well, I mean, it's so, scary to think about someone taking your child away to social services. I mean, even if it's like terrifying. a routine arrest, that's so scary. That's like, right. I know what a routine arrest is. I say this as like a person who. Right. We're just going to put it on our bucket list. We'll yeah. <laughs> it's together. a brave new world. <laughs> It'll be awesome. So, um, yeah. So, so, so that's one thing. And then the other thing I had on that was like. And, and maybe not show up for 45. Gosh, it's kind of fun. It's not really fun, but I'm trying to get my it's fun totally where I can get fun it. fun to, to watch him get so upset. I mean, I feel terrible about it. It makes me a bad person, but it's it's hilarious. It's how so thin-skinned. I mean, it's like, okay, don't watch the stuff the time when he's on TV. Don't let those television ratings go up. Don't don't subscribe to his Twitter. You know, don't physically show up. I mean, I don't know that any of us would have done anyway, but it's nice when you, you know, when I watch something other than the inauguration to feel like I'm sticking it to the man a little bit and to know that it really bothers him. I think he's somebody who doesn't like to be laughed at. Right. So, so laughing at him, every time somebody laughs at him, that's a, that's a victory for the. (laughs) And I feel like it's important to say here that this is really very president Trump's specific if yes if John McCain were the president right now I would disagree with a ton of the policies that he enacted but I wouldn't feel the need to it's really these this administration's specific policies of hate and racism and violations of people's civil rights and really scary I mean authoritarianism right that are different I just I feel like it's important to say that because I don't I'm not a person who would sit around trashing conservatives. It's, oh, I do. Well, <laughs> um, I didn't have a very good relationship with W. Well, um, he was a difficult president, but but even so, I mean. Oh no! But now I look and said, oh, I didn't know when I had it good, right? I mean, you it, it's it's a situation of oh, it can't get any worse than this. And then it gets significantly worse. How could it get worse than this? It's going to get worse than this. It is because it's never stopped getting worse than this. I have to say, I mean, I, I, (laughs) hashtag no tall men. Um, (laughs) I love, I love white men. I love all men. I just say white men in particular because, you know, I'm married to one. I have a couple of sons. I have a father and a brother. The people who have said to me, it's going to be okay not calm down because nobody said that to me, but you know, that kind of general, like, okay, take a breath. It's going to be all right. You don't have to be so stressed. They've all been white guys. Right. Lovely, wonderful white guys. Lovely, wonderful, with really like interesting insights and, you know, really good conversations we've had. And they're not, these are not conservatives. These are liberals that I've been, that I'm, that I'm mentioning now who, um, who, who are not happy about what's going on. But I, I, I do think it's interesting that the only people that have been saying that have been white guys. Um, and I, I think that's because, you know, I mean, I feel as a woman very personally affected by what's happening. And my two teenage daughters right. are going to be personally affected in the next four years. Anyway, that's that's kind of a side thing. But um, 
I think it's going to get worse because I think that there's things we can't imagine that are going to not can't imagine like, like I mean, just haven't read Margaret Atwood. But. Right, right. But just not that bad. Just just anyway, that was not cheerful. I'm not sure why I went in that direction. But no, no, but it is. It is. I think this is the problem that we just keep running into over and over again is it's right. it's terrifying and spiraling and we have and it's everything at once they're throwing control. right they're throwing so much and they this is a very deliberate campaign but it's like all right well we've been so upset about the ban and and the horrible things that have happened with the immigration stuff that maybe we forgot that oh yeah they're going to sell off the national parks <laughs> or they they took white supremacists off the terror watch list right right we're going to because because we can only do so many things at once right so anyway um the other thing we can do is like well we can boycott Trump investments, which, okay, I was never going to stay at a Trump hotel anyway, but I so love the idea that they're all connected to the White House so you can send your angry letters. Yeah. I think there needs to be more protesting in front of the Trump properties. Um, while he's still connected to them, that is 100% legit, yes. in my opinion. Um, and that would really annoy him. And I just love the fact that he's annoyed. It's just... Well, and that's actually a very easy thing to do if you can't right. get out and go to protests. You can spend your money in ways that support things that you care about and that don't support things that you're not for. Right. And a lot these are a whole bunch of billionaires out there, right? They're, right. The whole the whole cabinet is is a bunch of billionaires. So that would be an interesting research project is figuring out how to boycott not only Trump, but the other. I mean, as much as possible. That would be interesting. Well, speaking um, of it as a research project, and I guess we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a few minutes, but it is interesting to think about how to how to bring all this to your homeschool without making your kids just want to like hide under the cover. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I think that the more I think, I think all of this is modeling, right? Everything that we do, our kids are watching us do, um, whether it's crawl under the covers. <laughs> valid choice. I'm going to keep saying that. Right. Or whether, whether it's making a phone call or it's going down to the March or, or whatever. And I, I do think that the more, you know, um, and we're going to talk about this, like you said, a little bit more later, but it, we want them to feel safe and we want them to feel like there's stuff that they can do, right? That we are not victims in this. We can, we have agency. Um, and I think that's, so the more we can do, the more we can model that. And that um, it's important to use that agency to help people who have less agency. That's something that exactly. I feel like. Wow. I mean, if you're in a position of power right now, and by power I mean if you're in media, right? If you're a journalist or if you're involved in politics at any level. Or you're or making podcasts. If you're making podcasts, if you're a lawyer, right? If you're involved in law, if you have a small business and you are, you know, you are hiring people. Um, wow, what a great time to use your power proactively, right? right? I mean, there's even, even if you have, you know, if you have a small business and who you choose to hire, you can, you can really make some, some really great choices to help people who may be struggling right now. Um, legal, you know, I think about when, when, um, uh, when the immigration ban was in effect and there were people stranded at airports and they're like, you know, families with green cards coming home. Right. And the father was saying things like, I'm going to lose my job if I can't get home. I'm like, I wonder if they have pets. I wonder who's feeding their pets right. while they're stuck at the airport. It means little things like that. Right. Um, I just 
I just think there's going to be, unfortunately, more and more opportunities for us as communities to rally around individuals who are being affected. Um, and gosh, maybe that means going to feed somebody's cat um, if they're in jail because they protested or right. if they're stuck and can't get back into the cat or something. So, and that's a real thing, right? I mean, if you can affect somebody's life at that individual level, that's a real thing that you're doing. Um, but, but I mentioned something about politics. So this is a great time to get involved in local politics. There's never been a better time. There's never involved. been. I mean, it's exciting. The one thing we've seen, so many scientists are running for office and, and women. women and people of color. Yep. So, I mean, you can volunteer, you can get, you can donate, but you know, if you just vote, if we all voted in every one of the elections, cause I know I skip, I skip some of the local elections sometimes, um, then that would be a huge change. Well, and I think that we really do have to make getting out and voting a priority because, I mean, however you feel about the way that districts are set up in the places that we live, a lot of them are really set up to favor conservatives. So right. some conservatives can come out and vote and beat some liberals um, just because of the way that the districts are set up. But if all the liberals get out and vote, they will win. There are more of them or there are more more people who support not President Trump's regime. Can I call it a regime? Is that I, I like the word regime? <laughs> I, I don't think... like like it. but <laughs> Well, and it's true. I mean, I think that's what we're going to see consistently an attack on voting rights, um, not just against people of color. Um, but against liberals in general. I mean, the Republicans have straight up said that for years. This is not something they're hiding. Right. Well, this is so, a big priority of theirs after the last census was, was right. redistricting. Right. So so everything that we every vote that we can cast, everything we can help educate people or help get people to the polls or just, you know, I had friends who did the poll watching thing um, on the national election so that that to just make sure, okay, what's just see what's happening, right? Is there anybody here who looks intimidated? Is there anybody, what's going on? Um, I think that's going to become more and more of a priority. But gosh, even if we just all got out and voted, I know we're going to be electing a replacement for Tom Price in Georgia. Yay. So, um, yeah, so this, even your city council matters. Your school board matters. Um, yeah. Well, and especially because it does seem like a big piece of the current administration's policy is going to be to move a lot of control back to states. Yeah. Which means that what's happening in our states is really, really, really important. And for those of us who live in red states, you know, I mean, we just, it's, it could get bad suddenly. Yeah. It could get worse <laughs> suddenly. So, I mean, that's that's super important. And calling your representatives is important. Uh, like we've said, although that's not something that I do personally because I just, I just, that kicks up, that pushes every anxiety button I have. But I was thinking maybe that's something where even though I can't do it personally, I can make it easy for, say, Philip to do because he doesn't have the same anxiety, right? So I'm good at organizing and making lists. So I make, maybe, make, maybe I make him the list of this is who you call today. Right. No, I've done that with Jason. I've asked him, right. will you please call about this today? Or even childcare. You know, when I was in a, this would have been a great thing for my play group when I was in play groups years ago. Like, okay, I'm going to watch the kids. You all go call <laughs> and do that. So every Tuesday at two o'clock or whatever, you know, the moms are able to call without worrying about 
uh, a two-year-old pulling on their pants or something like right. that. And I mean, I, I think, um, you know, Jason, my husband has this school now and we have mm-hmm. made plans to go do the science march with a bunch of the students from the school, which is, which is cool and great. Awesome. And a really good opportunity to like be part of something. So, yeah, I think there are lots of ways. Yeah. Yeah. That you involved. can kind of, we want our voice to be heard and there's ways you can do that. Um, and then we also need to support the journalists, right? They're getting it too. Yes. Pay for your newspaper subscription. That's right. Don't support news that is bad. Find whatever you consider trustworthy. Um, subscribe to the news outlets, you know, pay for, you know, do the NPR thing, pay for, um, we both got our daughter's subscriptions to Teen Vogue, I believe. Teen Vogue is rocking it. If you're not reading (laughs) Teen Vogue right now, you are really missing out. They are, I think seriously, they're doing some of the best journalism right now. They are leading the revolution. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I read the guardian. My husband reads the New York times. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a big secret. I just realized you can subscribe to a newspaper and then not actually read it. <laughs> it still counts. It still counts that you're supporting journalists, which are going to have it rough. Um, they're another group that's going to have it really, really. We, we see it already. So, um, But if you support them financially, you are not making an obligation to read the newspaper every right. day. <laughs> I mean, it's great if you can. But in terms of like pacing ourselves and knowing how to engage, what level, you don't actually have to read the newspaper or listen to NPR every day. You can still support them financially. Right. And it's a great thing to do because actual journalism. I mean, the thing that is scary to me right now is, is facts. I mean, I think we've always kind of interpretation of the facts can really be very, very different, but we've always kind of assumed that everyone was working from the same set of facts. Well, that people wouldn't just get out there and bold-faced lie. Right. And then, and then you see that, and, and our, I, think, I think the media is catching up. I think the, the responsible media is catching up. But a lot of times they're just flabbergasted. You well, know, they just shocking. Sit, I mean, yeah. you don't know. I mean, I am, I am a journalist, and I don't know how to – I'm not prepared to respond to I mean, you feel like I have lies. to go research this Bowling Green massacre and find <laughs> – Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's hard to know. I think we're going to be learning, but I think it's hard to know how to directly confront someone who is in front of you saying something that is demonstrably untrue, right? And I, I do think that the the mainstream media is is getting they're they're having to they're having to. I saw somebody the other day. They're trying to get um, they're trying to get the news stations to like not cover. Uh, things live, not cover like press conferences and that kind of thing live because you actually need to have a fact checking, right? Right. You want to be able to present, okay, you want to immediately, while 45 or whoever is saying X, you need to in that moment be able to respond with, this is not true. These are the actual facts as we understand them, you know, because we just have to assume that we're not going to get that information from the administration. So whatever, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, but what we can, what one thing we can do as individuals is so financially support the, the, uh, the people who are doing that work, every the people day. who are doing that work every day. Um, and that's a big job right now. That's a big job. I mean, it may be, it might revitalize. It might, you know, we might, it might be really, ex- it could be a really exciting thing, right? It could be a really exciting thing 
I mean, if you want a sense of purpose right now, <laughs> I think going into political journalism, that's a, that's going to give you a sense of purpose right now. That could be a crusade right now. For sure, because I think over the past 20 years, journalism has gotten problematic in certain ways. I mean, yes. Like, where is it entertainment and where is right. it information? And now it's really... I mean, it's really serving the purpose that it was always intended to serve and that it that it served for so much of history, uh, telling that's, people what's really happening. That's why it's in our Constitution, right? That's why yeah. the free press is part of our government. Um, they have a role to serve. So, so you know, we can I, I am I am actually cautiously optimistic that that coming out of this, we're going to have some really great journalism. Um, and I think we're going to have some really it's going to be really for young people coming up this is certainly an interesting time to get involved. Well, yeah, I think the next generation of people, our kids and mm -hmm. their kids are gonna be much more politically informed. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so I still have my list. Oh, so my list, the next thing I have is if you can find a local group that is working against, I mean, that is, um, uh, that is active in what's going on. For example, like with the Women's March, uh, a good friend of mine um, was like, oh, I didn't realize they were doing marches outside of DC after it happened. She's like, I didn't know that there was one in Atlanta. I would have gone if I'd known. And so part of it is just kind of being in the loop with what's happening locally. And uh, if you can find it for me, that's I've, I've said before, I belong to a Unitarian Universalist congregation. They are also, you know, the on the left progressive, and they have come out nationally as, as being against a lot of these, a lot of these policies. So as it happens, that group acts as a clearinghouse for me as to what's happening, where it's happening, what's going on, what's happening locally. We're sponsoring um, with a local mosque. We're sponsoring a, a candidate um, panel in the next week for one of the little local elections that's coming up. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that really makes a difference if you can get involved locally. Um, and maybe that's the local chapter of the ACLU. Right. right. Or uh, Surge, Stand Up for Racial Justice, the Atlanta chapter of that is really great for keeping you informed, not just about mm -hmm. their particular events, but also about other relevant events locally. Exactly. I mean, I think if people are, they're widening their focus. They're realizing this is a everybody. We're all in this together. Right. It doesn't make sense to break it up into feminist concerns and 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 fighting racism. You know, we want these to bring these things. Rights. Right. We want to bring it together. So if you can find a local group like that, not only can you stay informed about what's happening and what you might be able to participate in, but then you can support the other people in the group, right? That's how you find people like, okay, so-and-so is going to need childcare or so-and-so is going to need transportation or so-and-so needs bail, right? That's that's how you're going to stay connected. Or they need a big stack of poster board. Or... or they need a big stack of poster board. And also how you can find out local groups that may be in trouble, right? I mean, I don't know... Um, I, I worry about the Muslims in our community. I worry about our local mosques. Um, and like I said, my group has a connection. So I'm hopeful that we'll hear, like, if there's any problems, what we can do. I know one of our, our local mosques, um, they, they, they had in their newsletter that they just got a call from somebody left on their, like, machine, like, hi, I just, I just wanted to call because I'm really concerned about what's happening. And I just want you to know that I support you. And if there's anything you guys need, you know, please put me on a list to let me know, right? So that's how that's how we can stay informed um, with the local Muslim community, the local refugee community, whatever, to find out if there's individual situations that need help. Yeah. Um, but I do, I worry. 
I worry and I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, so staying local is good. And then national organizations, um, you know, we talked about the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, uh, Environmental, the, the IRC, the International Refugee Committee. I always forget what it is. Right. No, no. But I, th- I think that's it. And yeah. The Human Rights Campaign. Right. Right. I mean, there's so many good ones. And I have found. Um, so and this the is ACLU, what ACLU, which I ACLU. have never been prouder to be a card carrying member of. I haven't. While we're outing ourselves. <laughs> so so one thing that I've found is almost all of these groups are set up now to get um, monthly donations. And I find that I find that so much more satisfying than like, cause I give, you know, maybe I give, and we don't, we can't afford to give a lot of money. Right. Unfortunately. But I find like um, a lot of them, the minimum is like five bucks a month. And I'm like, okay, well I can do that. Right. And I feel like if I'm like, I was really proud that I had set up a monthly donation to the ACLU when they were one of the first groups to file a lawsuit um, uh, challenging the immigration yeah. orders, right? And it makes me feel engaged, right? I don't feel like, oh, wait, I have to go donate or something. I'm like, I'm already doing that. I'm already on the list. So I think that's a really great way to stay engaged without feeling like I have to give a lot of money. Because even, you know, even at the $5 a month amount, there were 60,000 people at the Atlanta March, right? right. If half of those people gave $5 a month to the ACLU or Planned Parenthood or the National Resource Defense Council or whatever, that is a significant amount of money. So I think that that's a really great way to stay engaged financially um, without taking a huge hit. Yes. And Um, I think a lot of organizations have said that that kind of monthly giving, even if it's small, is really helpful to them because they're able to better plan their budgets. Right. Because they and know I, that they have this amount of money coming in, whereas, right. I, even though I will say one thing that I have been doing is, <laughs> it makes me feel better. Um, so I have some people in my life who I'm not ready to put out of my life, but right. who support the current administration. I think a lot of us are struggling with that, right? And now. they sometimes support them in ways that are really <laughs> vocal and make me want to scream. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll say. And so when there's something that's just like ridiculous or outrageous, I will try to calmly say, um, I feel that this is a little ridiculous and outrageous. Perhaps you would want to consider this perspective. Right. But I also make a little donation to Planned Parenthood every time that they post something that I can't handle because it makes me feel better. No, because and I think not that's fighting on Facebook. It's no. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I, I just think, like I said, it, it helps to stay engaged. It helps to feel like I am part of the team. Right. Right. I think more than once a year or, oh, I just happen to think of it kind of, kind of things. And financial donations, I think are really, I mean, I think I've heard their, their record levels. So right. I'm sure the organizations are kind of figuring out how to manage that. I, I'm so glad they're. I think they're going to be able to add staff, you know, they're going to be able to do a lot of things while they're still ramping up. Um, I know they're getting, they're getting swamped with volunteers too. Um, I tried to, I sent in a volunteer application for the IRC, for the Atlanta chapter of the, the refugee committee. And I had been planning to do that for years. I'd thought about it. And then I was kind of like, all right, well, I got to do it. And I happened that I sent it in the week, like days before the executive order came down. Right. 
And I have not heard anything back <laughs> about my application. I bet they're just small. And that's what I have to imagine, right? That's what I have to imagine is that they are so busy, you know, because I said, oh, this is, you know, we'll we'll get back to you and this will happen. This up. They have got to be so swamped with putting out fires that um, they are probably just not in a place where they can absorb new volunteers right now. Um, I, and, and the stuff that you're volunteer for is maybe not, is maybe more the ongoing stuff anyway. It's not the immediate emergency response kind of stuff. Right. I know I was, I saw on social media somewhere, they're talking about a Planned Parenthood chapter that was having like weekly or not, maybe not, maybe like every other weekly groups of like 30 plus people when they'd had maybe two people a month before. So I mean, I think volunteering is really important and is going to be really important in the long term, but also maybe acknowledge that right now people may be swamped. Right. And it's no, hard to absorb. I think that's a absorb. really good point because cause so many of us are inspired to do something and what's going to be important is to keep doing it for the next four years. Right. I mean, so like six months from now, I think, I think that I, I, I really believe people are making changes in their life right now. And that many of us who have, I mean, we've been active, but maybe quietly or maybe like, okay, someday I'm going to get around to doing that. I think we're all getting around to doing that. And that's yeah. great. But we also need to be in it for the long term. Um, so yeah, so I'm maybe going to see if anything happens on my application and if nothing happens, maybe in a month or so I'll send it again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and maybe they don't need that kind of, anyway, I just want to support them the best I can. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, there are a lot of people who have been working really hard at this for years before mm -hmm. we all felt this crisis. I mean, right. my husband was teasing me because I've been volunteering to do all this refugee rally stuff mm -hmm. and for years he's been going to a prison in south georgia to talk to refugees who are or, or immigrants who are being deported um wow. you know he communicates he, they're non-english speakers and he speaks spanish so he he spends time with their families and then he carries messages from their families to the because the families can't see the people who are being deported so he spends time with the people who are being deported and takes messages back to their families. And it's like really hard, amazing work that he's been doing for years. Wow. And now I'm like, oh, refugees. And he's like, I love you, Amy, but. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, and, and I appreciate the people who have been doing the long-term work making space for us and and being patient with us when we say, oh, well, I've meant to do it for years. You right, know, because I, we, we did, we had the best intentions. And right, and I appreciate that that must be frustrating on the other end. So I do appreciate their patience and their 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 willingness to make space for us. Yeah. Um, and I also realize that, gosh, it is hard to tell somebody else what you need to have done right now, especially if you're in an emergency situation. And especially if you're so used to running on a shoestring. Mm -hmm. I think about how hard it is with, with the magazine, the Homeschool mm -hmm. Life magazine, which I edit, and how impossible it would be for me to delegate parts of that easily right. because right. I do it. Right. And I'm it's, sure, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same way for volunteers. Where they're so used to doing it all. It's hard to even know what or how to delegate. Well, and so the great thing, and this is this is my last thing on the list, is kind of like what we can do really individually. One thing we can do is there are books out there about how to, pro there's, a, there's, a, there's a body of literature, how to protest, what can you do, how do you resist? You know, we can go read those books, right? We can educate ourselves. Um, and that's, 
there's there's a lot we can do there. Even just reading more diversely, right? Even just the the whatever we choose to take in from the world. And I'm not even talking about news. I'm talking about movies and TV and books. This is now a time to make sure that we are trying to read diversely and and support entertainment and whatever that shows other ways of life and other people. Um, representation matters. Yes. <laughs> and I just even in things like Rogue One, I mean, when Rogue One, the new Star Wars movie came out, um, there's a, a Kumail Nanjani, who's a, a Pakistani American, you know, Pakistani American. Um, uh, he's an actor and writer and podcaster and all this kind of stuff. He was talking about being in tears watching a Star Wars movie that had somebody who looked like him as a hero. And this is, you know, it's, it's really, really powerful. Um, and what we can do on an individual basis is support, support that in movies. Gosh, go see movies where women are the, the lead roles. Hidden Figures has done really, really well. That's fabulous. Um, but yes. we, can, we can really do that on an individual basis is, is work on that representation matters. Um, I'm trying to read more diversely. That means um, I'm looking at who is writing the books. I'm looking at who is the protagonist of the books. I just different perspectives in history, listening to the to the experts about protesting and um, all that. Even eating in a different restaurant. Right. You know, going to going to a different restaurant, go to the Indian restaurant down the street, you know, um, learning a language. I've been firing up Duolingo and working on, you know, I have four years of high school Spanish, which mean nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you. But I'm like. Every time I do my little Duolingo, I feel like learning another language is actually a step in the right direction. Well, I love, this is an aside, but isn't Duolingo the one that like shows you the percentage of mastery? I love that. It's, uh, it's like you're 2% <laughs> fluent. I'm like, that's adorable Duolingo. I love Duolingo. that. <laughs> I don't know what, what you're, you're basing your, your metric on, but that is so adorable. <laughs> no, I'll take, I'll take a percent any day of the week. I, I love that. But I mean, I, I like feeling that, okay, by reading, by reading this book or, which is supporting this author, right? I mean, okay, a lot of authors are, are, um, going to lose their health care right. if the, the Affordable Care Act, uh, gets repealed, which is almost, it's, it's probably going to happen. I think we all need to assume that it's going to happen. We just don't know what's going to ha- come in its place, um, there are a lot, there are authors, there are bloggers, there are entertainment people, a lot of people who I follow on Twitter, you know, this is directly going to affect their life. Right. Um, I can't control, you know, I can't control the fact that Congress is all Republicans and that they're going to repeal Obamacare, but I can read a book by an author that I love. I can tweet about it. I can, I can go on Facebook. I can tell everybody this is a great book, right? right? And you are, and, and that counts. It's a small thing, but it's, it's a thing that we can do to directly support the people who are going to be losing their healthcare bloggers that you care about. Um, you know, it's, uh, online journalists, it's going to be tough. So, so that's something that we can do. And I love this list, Suzanne, because they really are all things that we can do and we don't have to do them all. We don't have to do them every day. Nope. But, but it can't. does, it helps me when I'm get up in the morning and I see something horrific has happened. 
overnight. And I can kind Which of mentally normal also. Right, right. I can kind of go through my list. Okay, deep breath. You know, I am financially supporting the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, NRDC, Sierra, you know, I'm, I'm supporting my local NPR station. I am subscribing to Teen Vogue. I'm learning a language. I'm reading this great new um, memoir uh, by a black feminist. I'm, I'm talking to people about that book. You know, you kind of go through the list of what you're doing. And um, I find that that's very helpful. And it's not everything, right? That's not, that's not everything that I could be doing, but it helps me feel like I am part of the team. I'm on the side of right. (laughs) Truth, justice of the American way. (laughs) So, so yeah, so I think that's helpful. Um, yeah, so that's, that was my, that was my, my list. And I think it really helped me to sit down and make a list. I encourage you to sit down and make a list and to think about things. Like I said, maybe, maybe reading diversely, maybe going to watch Rogue One or Hidden Figures wasn't on your list of what you're doing to support truth, justice in the American way. I would make an argument that it matters. Yeah, I think it totally matters. And I think that, that you make a good point that a lot of us right now feel scattered and like there's way more to do than we can possibly do. Mm -hmm. But when you sit down and list things that you're actually doing, Mm -hmm. you can feel a little better about that list than it feels in your head right now. Yeah, because you are. It matters. It all, it all, you know, it all, if we all do it, <laughs> um, it's going to make a big difference. So, so yeah, so I guess then the question is specifically as homeschoolers, what can we do? Right. And I mean, we can model everything we've just talked about because our kids are watching. I mean, they see everything that we do. And I think that especially if we talk about it, like, hey, I'm excited to go see this movie or I'm excited to read this book. Not just because it's a fun movie or it's a great book, but also because I am trying to um, read more diversely or I want to support movies that understand that representation matters. Right. Um, I think that if we talk about that and they see that that kind of stuff, it becomes more visible in a way that it certainly wasn't to me as I was growing up. For sure. I, th- I think that it just wasn't something that was even on people's, the average parents' radar when we were growing up. Certainly some parents, but most parents, it wasn't even something that was on their radar. Right. Right. Uh, I think, too, um, one thing that's, we've been doing uh, U.S. history this year. Yep. And I notice that the way that my kids feel about slavery is really visceral. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're just horrified by it. Yeah. They they can't even believe that it's a thing that would happen. And I feel, I mean, I know that we often talk about education and how important it is, and but, but history matters in a really, really real way. It matters every minute and affects who we are as a country and as individuals. And I feel like this is the time to study history. This is, a, I mean, this is the time. I love, you know, I'm a history buff. I love history and it is all relevant. It's all, it's all so relevant. You know, I'm teaching, um, the Hamilton history class. An and excellent Hamilton history It's class. so much fun. And so we're talking about the American revolution, right? And so we're talking about things like the Boston massacre. And I'm like, look, this is, this is, this is relevant. This is people protesting. And so, I mean, and not, not to, Anyway, that's there, I could go into a whole long story about the Boston Massacre because I find <laughs> all this stuff fascinating. But this stuff is all relevant. People are still behaving like people. 
Right. right. It's it all of this stuff matters. And especially like you're talking about with slavery and civil rights, when you understand what's happening right now with racism and with misogyny in in the United States, understanding it not as a right now problem, but as a, a problem that goes hundreds of years back just in this country, putting it in context um, is so important because that that demonstrates, OK, it's going to it takes a long time to change these things. I also find reading history to be really hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like, you know what? It feels like right now we are living, you know, it was the worst of times. It feels bad right now. But you know what? It was so, it's been so much worse. And even under so much worse, people have lived lives that were meaningful and hopeful and joyful and they've made progress. Often uh, great progress, huge yes, strides. Under under much more I mean, I, I've talked before about reading the biography of um, Mary Shelley and her mother, um, Mary Wollstonecraft, and being feminists before the word was invented and fighting back against a whole culture that legally deemed you not quite human. Right. I mean, that's a, those, they were able to carry that burden. That's astonishing. I watched a great, um, there's a great PBS documentary, I forget the name, but about the Black Panthers. Uh, I know very little about civil rights history because I guess when I was going through school in the 80s, um, it was almost so recent that they didn't talk about it, right? Right. Um, well, so, you never I really mean, get past World War II, I think, no. in public school history. No, if you get that far. Right. And um, and so to see all that and to see what people were were working with and, and fighting, it's just, and it still matters, um, is inspirational to me. Because I'm like, you know what, we can make progress even under the most difficult of circumstances. And I think we can help our kids see that too by, 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 um, I mean, there's some documentaries I wouldn't show my, I mean, it depends on how old your kid is, right? right. About how you want to engage. I think this stuff is really hard, especially the civil rights stuff in America. Um, but there are great books and resources out there. There was a great list. Oh, I put it in the stuff we like about the uh, reading list for refugees. Oh, that was a great list. About refugees' experience. Um, there's so many great books about civil rights. If you look at like the Coretta Scott King Awards, I just finished reading One Crazy Summer. I love that. You know, that's on our, we did a little uh, one book a day for Black mm -hmm. History Month on the blog. And that was one of our books. I love, and I've got the, I haven't read the other two books in that series, but that's, but that's a book. If you didn't see, you know, the blog, it's, um, it's about, uh, three sisters who are in California visiting their, their mom. They haven't had a relationship with during the black Panther movement. And, um, I mean, it's, it's such a great book and I, I haven't done a great job of looking for these books. I haven't done a great job of, of bringing them in because I have my old books that are my favorites. But now but, you are doing a great job of doing it. Right. And it doesn't, it's not that, it's not that hard is what I'm trying to say. I mean, it just takes a little bit of attention if you maybe don't already have these books, um, in your library or, you know, in your personal library or in your kind of your personal, your personal list. But there's a lot we can do with what we teach our kids and, um, and what we give them to read. And it's not just history. I mean, geography. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> matters. Languages matter. Well, I mean, it's really interesting to look at the map and how we draw it and how it actually looks. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, the way that the map is set up to privilege Western countries is, is really interesting. Well, and just like, you know, just being aware that we're, it's not just us out there. Um, yeah. Languages matter. Critical thinking. 
that's <laughs> going to be a big thing well, coming yeah. up. I mean, this is something that I talk about with my daughter a lot. She's at the age now where she's starting to do research, serious research for serious papers. Right. And doing it online is like a really different world from the world right. that I did research in. Um, and evaluating, like, how can you tell whether a source is a good source is not just an academic pursuit anymore. It's not just for people who are sitting down writing serious academic papers. It's when you're watching the news. Well, and even if we do nothing more with critical thinking than, than teach our kids about evidence and argument, if you're going to make an argument, whether you're making an argument about literature, a book that you're reading, or whether you're making it um, in history, or whether you're making, you're saying we should build a wall because, you know, Mexicans are all criminals. Never say that. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to have evidence to back up your argument. And that is what we are missing. We are in a political world where the leaders of our country are giving us evidence-free arguments. And they are, in fact, on a campaign to erase evidence. They're erasing evidence of climate change. They're erasing, you know, I mean, this is, they know, they know about evidence and argument. So they're doing their best to erase evidence so that they can make their arguments. Right. Um, and so even if we don't teach, even if the only thing we teach is like, hey, if somebody tells you something like this, they need to have some facts to back it up. Um, that's that's a step forward. It's not Bowling Green Massacre facts. Right. That's more than what they're getting on Meet the Press right now. Right. Um, yeah. And I think just critical thinking in general is going to be a huge. A, it's just it's just ridiculous. But I, I actually think, OK, so this is something to be hopeful about. Right. That that as homeschoolers, we have control. Gosh, don't you think there's going to be an influx of homeschoolers, depending on what happens with the public education system? Yes, I really do. I mean, so that's something we can do. We can support all the people who are freaked out about what's happening to public education. I feel so for the teachers. I feel for the teachers oh my God. and the administrators and so everybody. And so committed to doing a good job. And they have worked in a difficult system for a long time. And, and so brave. I just wouldn't blame them if they all just threw their hands up because it, nobody's getting rich off this. Nobody, yeah. I mean, they can barely make a living and it's, it's heartbreaking. But as homeschoolers, maybe we can be helpful in that area and we certainly have control over what we emphasize to our kids, over yes. what we teach our kids. And there is so much good stuff that we can teach our kids so that they go out there and they're educated and they're aware of their rights and they're aware of history. And <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, Jackson. Exactly. Jackson, again, has opinions. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's something that we do have control over, more control than a lot of people um, with being homeschoolers. Okay, I'm texting my husband that Jackson <laughs> wants out so that he will come get the dog. That's hilarious. Well, I appreciate Jackson's input because sometimes I, I just feel like throwing myself on the ground and barking like, like a maniac for a while. I, I feel like maybe that would help. Huh. So yeah, so I guess the other thing about homeschoolers is I keep thinking, like I've said, about how different it would be if my children were young. Um, I was talking to some friends last weekend and they have, um, thank you, Elizabeth. They have, um, uh, so friends with kids in like kindergarten and that kind of stuff. And what it's like for their friends who um, maybe are Latino, right? Or what it's like, uh, I have several friends where one of the parents has a green card. 
Yeah. And and as it happens, these friends are are not Muslim. They're like British or something. Right. But so the mom with a green card is like, is it safe for me to go down and protest at the airport? You know, there's stories that they're picking up people with green cards. Would it be safe for me to leave the country? What do I have to do? You know, I mean, it's it's affecting people at a very basic level. And that's affecting her children. Right. Um, Even even in some I heard a story about um, a child who was concerned about a friend of theirs and the friend of theirs was upset. His mom had voted for Trump. And so my friend, the mom was not the mom who voted for Trump, but the mom of the friend was saying that she was thinking that she was going to have to give the story. Like, you don't want your kindergartner to be mean to another kindergartner or to refuse to be friends with them over their parents' political persuasions. So like give the story like, well, we can have friends who believe differently from ours. But that wasn't the problem. The problem was that this child was hearing how terrible Trump was. And he knew that his mom had voted for Trump. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's very it's I think it's tough on small children in a lot of ways that maybe we don't even foresee, like we don't even really understand what they're imagining. Um, A friend of mine told me that her kindergartner was like, Mom, are we at war? It feels like we're at war. Um, It does feel that way, though. I mean, it's that's a very valid. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I think with the young kids, you know, obviously our first priority is to help them feel safe and that it's going to that it's going to be okay because we're working on it right because we're doing stuff and you know and if they and and to recognize that they're going to be concerned about their friends they're going to be concerned about their friends maybe who speak Spanish or or who have families who are immigrants or refugees and that they meet they may need to know hey what are we doing what can we do to help so and so Right. You know, very real, concrete things. Um, and that's tough. I'm actually glad my kids aren't really young right now because I think that's really difficult. I think that's harder than dealing with my older kids when they're like, all right, we'll go to the protest with you. We'll make the signs, you know, we'll get involved. Um, I think that's actually easier right now than with the the small kids. But that's where maybe we can help each other with childcare or help each other you know, bring some lightness in to remember to laugh and have fun. And, and if, if somebody needs to get under the covers for a while, then maybe somebody else can step in and take the kids out to for ice cream. Right. Well, I think that this is, I mean, I say this all the time now, but I think it's so important (laughs) to be kind to each other and to support Mm -hmm. each other through this. There's no right way to go through a situation like this, but there's also no wrong way. Right. We do the best that we can. At, what is it Maya Angelou said so so brilliantly? When we know better, we do better. Right. But we just do the best we can. Right. And I, I think there are more areas that we can help and be helpful and be proactive than we even realize. Um, and maybe they feel like small things, you know, if there's enough of us doing those small things, that's going to make a real change. I'm confident there are things that we can't turn the clock back on, right? right. I mean, culturally... Um, culturally, we're moving forward. We're not going to turn the clock back on LGBT rights. Um, they can certainly make things difficult and painful and people are going to suffer in the short term. Right. But in the long term, you can't, you can't go backwards on a lot of these things. And I, I know that because I see it reflected in my daily pop culture life. 
when yeah. big corporations are advertising and they're advertising pro diversity, they're advertising pro LGBT, they're advertising, you know, these are not, these are companies that are set up to make money and to run no risks. They acknowledge that our culture is changing. And if there's a group of, of typically older white men who are having trouble dealing with that, they can make people suffer in the short term. But I do believe that long term, it's going to be better. I think um, you're right. I think it is scary for people in the short term because you don't know what hoops you will have to jump through to keep your life and your family safe. And, and we know, as a white middle class woman, yeah. I have to worry about that less than some other people. And we have to acknowledge that suffering is real. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard some, uh, some dear friends, you know, some good people over the past said that talk and typically white men (laughs) saying that, um, that like this, the refugee ban, um, was essentially an inconvenience that it's all okay now. And I'm like, it was not, I mean, to say that, to diminish that to that is to, you're not acknowledging the real suffering. There were people who thought, even if they only thought it for six hours, but people who were not able to speak to their family and thought they were going to be deported back to a country that would kill them. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that we can't, we can't understate or it was, it was like an assault. These people were, yeah. were almost assaulted That's, and they have be, all the after effects of that. I, I, that could be life changing. That could be a life, a life, you know, something that you remember for the rest of your life. That was real suffering and real fear and real families being separated. And you may never feel secure in the way that you did right. before it again, ever in your life. And uh, Right. I mean, my friends with a green card, um, you know, is not going to ever, while Trump is in office, is never going to be able to feel okay about going overseas, right? And and so, so if it's going to be okay in the long term, we still need to do what we can to address the real suffering, the suffering of people who are inconvenienced at the airport or people who are, um, uh, people who are going to lose their health care, people who are going, you know, there's going to be real suffering in the short term. And I think that if we can concentrate on that also on diminishing, you know, alleviating that, that suffering, that, that is you're on team, you know, truth, justice in the American world. Right. Because the current administration, all the many different things that they're doing that are problematic, like, one thing that they're doing is this sort of systemic attack of unkindness, just general mm-hmm. unkindness. And the best way to combat that is by helping everyone that you can, however you can. On an individual basis, yes. it matters. Gosh, I worry about those those park rangers. <laughs> I know, but oh I my worry, God. Because you... you know they've got a list. You know they're trying to ferret those people out. So, you know, if I, I would be like, I would hire them. If I had a company, I would hire all you park rangers when you get fired by Trump. <laughs> Who knew that park rangers would be the heroes of the revolution? I know. I know them and Teen Vogue leading the way. It's, it's, but you know, I worry about people and, and those people who are going to be, you know, it's all very well and good to say, oh, we'll have this fixed, but the real suffering that's going to happen, that is happening now. I mean, with the, the immigration sweeps and everything, um, if there is anything we can do on an individual less level to help with that suffering. Right. Um, and I mean, some of it is selfish too, because it doesn't stop, you know, like that this kind of oppression gets applied more and more broadly. 
So helping people now helps people, which is what we want to do and which is so important, but it helps us too. And one of my favorite signs, and there's been a, a, several variations on them, but um, uh, was uh, first they came for the Muslims and we said, not this time, bleepity bleepers. <laughs> they didn't actually have bleepity bleepers. In it. Right, right. <laughs> but I mean, but I, I, that, and that is also true. That is also true. Huh, I feel like I'm going around in circles and repeating myself a lot. Yeah. Is there anything else that we need to say in this kind of brain dump about? No, but, I, but let's just say if you're listening to this and you've found ways of coping that we haven't mentioned, please tell us. We would like yeah. to know more ways to cope. This is hard and unprecedented. And I think the way to get through it is together. So please. We're building, we're building new support groups. Yeah. Right. I mean, because it, we may, we may in our support, in our regular support groups, maybe our close friends, our, our close family, we may have people who we no longer, who we can't talk about this with. Right. For right. I mean, that's, reason. that's a reality for, for a lot of people. And I think a lot of us who, and maybe a lot of us with privilege who haven't had to deal with these kind of things before, who haven't gone out and done the protesting before, you know, we haven't had to find the kind of support groups around that. Um, or the so, emotional stamina to do exactly, that. exactly. So we we are having to find and create new new groups, um, and we can do that as homeschoolers. And homeschooling is a tough community to do that in sometimes. So I think we're kind of saying, be our group. Will you be our group? <laughs> Will you be our group? Please be our group, and we can be a group for each other. Yeah. So comment and you know and all that kind of stuff. Also, you can comment about just regular homeschooling stuff you'd like us to talk about because we're kind of obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of distracted right now and it's we're tough. having trouble focusing if you can't tell <laughs> right it's pretty subtle but <laughs> so we are happy to take suggestions of stuff to talk about because we really do enjoy doing these podcasts and talking to each other and you guys and we can we can be a group and we, we are committed together. to doing a better job of getting them out I, I promise that I will only stare at the blank word document for like a week this time Okay, we have to support Amy, and like she's gonna put up episode ten with just with no links. See, right, no it's show gonna be notes. Fine. That and I'm not okay. even gonna listen to it again. So no, I, I just no. And if this one needs to go out that way, that is okay too. You no, just... no, I'll show notes. I, I have too much guilt and no, stress. See, we're and trying we'll... to let go of guilt. Guilt is not helpful at this point. Yeah. So so it will just we're be a lost be... podcast, which, which that's right. The lost podcast. Anyway, well, I'm not going to funny and charming as usual. <laughs> so it, should, it should be there for the I'm, world. Suzanne's well, we'll, we'll see. Anyway. So, yeah. So we're going to go forth together onward and upward. Yes. <laughs> hey, what are some what are some um, fun things we can talk about that don't involve like 45? OK, well, the most fun thing in the world, in my life, the thing that makes me happy, even after I check Facebook and see all the news, is that I have a stamp and library card <laughs> for Jason's library. And I get to make book labels for all the books in his library. And it's an that awesome is... library because it has it has regular books like the Iliad and the Odyssey and To Kill a Mockingbird and so all the things that you'd expect, but also it's going to have like fantastic curriculum and all kinds of cool stuff. And it's so this the best is the ever. So this is the library that you guys are building for the the homeschool academy. I like that you say you guys when Suzanne sits there and watches me stamp books every week. <laughs> <laughs> I love the book stamp. So I think it's the, us guys. Is that a is that a term? Us guys. 
That's right. Well, I mean, it. I know you've, you've talked about it in general, but I don't know if you've talked about it since we haven't been on the podcast, since you've actually kind of had the official opening. Oh, that's right. Uh, do you no, want to say, haven't. tell us what the Academy is? Oh, so my, my husband, my brilliant, wonderful, adorable husband, who's a great teacher and educator, started a school, a hybrid high school for homeschoolers um, and it's here in Atlanta, which is where we live. Um, and it's great. Suzanne teaches a Hamilton history class there right now, which is great. It's kind of like a soft opening this spring, right. so it's only some classes. Right. But it's very exciting. It is really exciting. And Amy has, with her library, Amy, are you chief librarian? Is that actually um, one of your titles? Well, I don't do anything. It's not my my project, remember? So. No, no, but don't you get a title? Come on. Yeah, yeah I, I could be the librarian. I would take I know it's, it's not your school, but I mean, you're not going to turn down chief librarian, no, right? I, that would be crazy. I, what's wrong with me? She has graciously um, said that she will accept all of my my 12 years of, of homeschool <laughs> curriculum that I have, you know, my Saxon K <laughs> math book that I am emotionally attached to because I have t- gone through with four kids. Um, and it's hard, you know, I kind of, I don't want to just all goodwill this stuff, but, um, but it's hard to maybe hook up with somebody who would actually use it. So we're going to throw it all. That's going to be my summer project. I'm going to give you all of my curriculum. And it's that... going to be an amazing library because how grateful. I mean, I think that is one of the toughest things about homeschooling is that you can. It's really difficult to be able to look at things. Right. You can't try out a curriculum. I mean, it's if you luck into a friend who happens to use the one that you want, she's not using it right then. She's happy to lend it to you. I mean, that right. sometimes happens, but in general, it's really hard to like test drive a curriculum. And I love so that we'll do that. That's going to be available. And it's not just high school stuff. This is going to, this is preschool and up. Yes. Um, Maybe my curriculum, figure out some kind of thing where people who aren't students right. can be members of the library or... yeah, yeah, where they can join where they can get a library card they can join the light you know play probably pay a small fee and then you join the library card and then you can come in and check things out so that curriculum is going to be available uh, along with the high school classes there's middle school mondays that are going to start in the fall yes that i'm involved with suzanne is uh really leading the charge of middle school mondays i like that she says she's involved suzanne is so modest suzanne is like the coolest person ever <laughs> And she cracks me up because she's like, well, I might have done this. And no, she's the best. She's teaching critical thinking and Georgia history and this amazing middle school literature class that I wish I were 12 again so that I could teach, except I don't because then I would also have to be 15 again. Which I'm <laughs> well, not I'm, like just, at all. I'm just so excited. I went to Amy and Jason. I was like, please let me teach. Please let me teach a class. Will you let me teach a class? I'll teach anything. Please and let we me were teach. like, okay, we'll <laughs> teach 10 classes. <laughs> so yeah, so we're gonna have middle school Mondays. And then I think we're going to have another Hamilton history for high schoolers and, and apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic lit. I'm so excited. Yeah. I added a new book to my apocalyptic lit list. So I'm very good. I'm very excited. Um, so that's all good stuff, right? That's all exciting. Yes. And, and well, also at the school, um, I don't know if any of you are in Atlanta, but if you are, you should come and hear Suzanne and I talk about humble testing because we are yep. doing... When is it? March 29th, Wednesday, March 29th in Dunwoody. We're mm-hmm. giving a little workshop on homeschool testing. We're going to talk about um, how to do it, where to get tests, how to sign up for things like the SAT and the ACT, how to get accommodations for things like the SAT and the ACT, how to prepare for them in your homeschool. Yep. I think it's going to be really fun. I think it is. We just finished our week of, of standardized testing. We like to do it in February. 
um, cause it's kind of a downtime. So we just finished that here in my own homeschool and it's something that's actually not super complicated, but I feel like a lot of homeschoolers get anxious about it right. um, for a lot of good reasons. But so we are here to make it easy and simple and stress-free. Yeah. I think it'll be a fun thing. And we would I love to be. meet podcast listeners in real life. It would be very That's fun. right. So That's right. So come, out. join the, come to the seminar, join the library, enroll in some classes. <laughs> It's going to be awesome. We can talk about The Good Place, which I can't stop talking about. <gasps> okay. Everybody needs to watch this. It's on Hulu. There's no excuse not to watch it. They even have extended versions of the episodes on Hulu. You can even buy it on Amazon Prime if you don't if you don't have it. And it would be worth it. It would be it worth is paying money for entertainment. It's a good show. And we can't talk about it too much because if you go back and watch it from the beginning, I want you to come to the finale and be amazed. Yes. It's a great, delightful. I mean, Kristen Bell is adorable and Ted perfectly cast. Is wonderful. And it's I, a diverse show. It's talking about diversity. Who plays Cheedy because he is my. I forget the name, but he I is. I love him. He is so. All of the characters are great, and it's it's funny and it's smart and it it engages you on an intellectual level. And I watch it with we the whole family watches it. We all watch it together, and it's been renewed for a season two. So and, we'll get. A second season. We'll find out what happens now. <laughs> Suzanne has said that it would be a homeschool ethics unit study. And I would like to point out that my best friend, who is literally a professor of ethics, agrees. <laughs> I really think you, I mean, we have actually had really intellectual conversations after. Yeah. If nothing else, it'll get you started going on um, on what is good and what is, right? What, right what counts as good and what counts as evil. Cause in the, in the good place, um, whether you go to the good place after you die or the bad place is determined by a system of points. And so there's, there's a lot of really interesting conversations about what do you get points for? What do you get negative points for? It, it, it appears now kind of the season finale kind of threw everything up in the air. Um, but from the information we've had before, it looks like rich people, for example, you can get a lot of points for donating. Right money, right? So does that mean that rich people can be just better than people who don't have? I mean, it's really interesting ethical conversations that I think homeschoolers um, are really good at. Yes. (laughs) We could do a, I mean, you know, we could do a, a, I know you guys are doing the hardcore philosophy and ethics in high school. Shelly is doing those. (laughs) I know Shelly's doing the really hardcore philosophy and ethics in high school. It might be fun to do something in middle school you know, bring watch an episode or two of The Good right. Place. No, I think it would be great. And I will say, I mean, not to be all shallow, but how often does television give you an excuse to make caught jokes? Not, not often. Not often. Great. Who died and made... Oh, God. Who <laughs> died and made Aristotle the <laughs> Because Plato, obviously. Plato. I just said that. It's right there. It's on the board. I just want to take screenshots <laughs> of Chidi's board. Anyway, if you haven't watched the show, I know we're speaking gibberish right now, but really do yourself a favor and go watch. If the first episode doesn't hook you, then all right, I'll give you a pass. But but it really is a lovely, lovely show. Um, and it's nice to have something to look forward to in these dark times. <laughs> it really is. I feel like that is a genuinely happy space. Yeah. Um, Speaking of genuinely happy spaces, uh, Suzanne and I did not have an assigned book for this podcast, luckily. 
sense. Oh gosh, I would have failed all of my homework. I'm in a really dark place with library chicken right now. I don't know <laughs> if I told you this. The of library chicken. No, this is the bad point. This is the point when it. I, I literally have five books on hold, but I that are that I have to pick up by Wednesday. But I've maxed out my card, and I also have some books that are non-renewable bestsellers, so I have to read that. But the book that I got that's a non-renewable is the third book in the series, and I've got the second book checked out, but I haven't read it yet, and I got stopped. <laughs> Midway because it was it was it's a really good book. It's a book by Lindsay Fay who wrote Jane Steele, who I love, and I'm going to get Amy to read it. And um, but anyway, but then bad things were happening. I was like, I can't cope with bad things happening. So I put that aside, and then I'm reading some Shirley Jackson. Anyway, it's 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 starting to feel like like a weight around my neck. And I know I could just take them all back to the library and check them out again, but that just doesn't feel like a real viable option. <laughs> no, I I I agree. Like you've. <laughs> You've painted yourself into this corner and you must fight your way out. I must it. fight my way out. So, so yeah, there's going to be some hardcore reading. Although right now I'm reading a Shirley Jackson book that I didn't even actually check out from the library. Um, you didn't steal it from the library. No, I didn't steal it from the library. <laughs> I mean, the, that's the next step, right? I've only done that once. And I talked about it on the podcast. That's we agreed, right. Sorry. We agreed never to speak of it again. I'm so sorry. I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking about like what would be the next dark phase of library chicken <laughs> would be just not returning them ever right um they probably know me they probably have my picture up in the back wall or something um so no i'm reading the road through the wall which is shirley jackson's first novel oh, i have, I have that one i have read all of her this will after i read this one um i will have read all of her novels and all of her short story collections um and then i'm i'm gearing up to read the new biography of her that just came out um i like to i mean and shirley jackson didn't write I mean, that's doable, right? I mean, she her novels are short. She doesn't have that many short stories. So I'm really enjoying her. I had kind of not read Shirley Jackson for a long time. And then I kind of read only bits and pieces. But I'm really enjoying going through her whole her whole work. I do this every once in a while. I get involved with an author and I try to read everything. Um, so I'm looking forward to the biography. I also have a novel um, – that somebody, a fictionalized version of her life that somebody read, wrote. So I'm going to read that. But I've been enjoying Charlie Jackson. Um, although I can't, I have to take breaks from her because she is very much kind of the something is wrong. Right, right. <laughs> and so my mood, my mood, you know, depending on my mood, whether I can read, whether I can read Charlie Jackson or not. Um, I've been reading a lot of history. I read a really great book. I'm, 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 when, I, when I'm doing Hamilton history, I try to also be reading um, history books at the same time to kind of keep everything fresh. Um, and there's a really, I fin just finished, uh, the private life. Wait, hang on a second. Let me get this right. Um, a Royal experiment, the private life of King George the third by Janice Hadlow. Oh. It is so good. It's a nice thick book and it's not really about the history, right? There's not hardly anything about it, about the American revolution or anything. Cause George the third was the, the King that lost America. Um, but it's about his private life and his family and the royals and how he tried to live this life as a really ethical. He had this very, uh, very distinct idea of what it meant to be a king and how he should behave as one. And he tried to raise his children and his family along those lines. And it kind of all backfired for various reasons. <laughs> but um, but it's just one of those really great family biographies where they're talking about the private lives. And, and I love that. I love biographies. I love history. I think history is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really. So what have you been reading that's been good? You know, 
I'm mostly reading. I'm teaching an AP English class in the fall and a classics class in the fall. And so I've just been reading Gilgamesh and the Iliad and the Odyssey and Antigone and Oedipus again. I mean, it's, 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 they're great and interesting and, and, you know, useful and I'm excited to teach them, but it's not like sexy, exciting reading. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's more um, work-related reading, you know? It's all work. I need to do more work-related reading because we got it set up for the middle school lit class and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Um, oh, I did read. I shouldn't talk about it yet because I think it, it's not officially out until April. But I did read the new Frances Harding book, <gasps> A Face Like Glass. And I will be excited to talk about it closer to its release date because I really liked it. You should borrow it, Suzanne. It was really I would like to borrow it and read that. I really, I, I, I love Frances Harding. I don't love all of her books, but they're all even the ones that I that I I didn't love, it was like a really interesting read. Right. That's like I love that about her. I don't. Right. I wouldn't say that I even like most of her books, but I really enjoy the experience of reading yeah. them. Yeah. I thought this one was great. Good. I liked good. it better than the the cuckoo song. Is that it's the, the cuckoo, cuckoo song? song that right? I okay. like the cuckoo song. That one was really creepy. Uh, what about the lie tree? I I loved the lie tree. Okay. In, in I places. liked it. I liked it too. Yeah. And then in places I was, I felt, I felt like it, part of the book is about like the experience of being a woman in a specific time and place. Right. And I felt that it ended up oversimplifying that in a way mm-hmm. that okay. I found problematic because I've read too much feminist literature, but I have read too much. Feminist I have. It's a I'm trying to read more. I'm getting, I'm going to catch up eventually, not catch up with you because you know, you're like leaps and bounds ahead, but Catch up I don't know. Your yearly book run is is pretty intimidating. I think you could catch <laughs> up with me. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of that stuff is fun stuff. Um, but I did, I did take time and pick a book for us to read for our next podcast. Yes. Yes. Um, and what what is that book? Well, so okay. So here is my thinking. This is not a book that we haven't read before. This is a book that that we that we know and that we love, and I feel like I want something soothing and comforting that I haven't read in a while, but that will feel familiar. And I thought, what do you think about reading eighty four Charing Cross Road for the podcast? I would love to read that again. It's been it's been a long right. time, and that is such a fun. Why don't you tell people a little bit? Right. About so the, if you're if you're not familiar with it, it's a collection of letters. Um, so it's, it's actually nonfiction between a woman from New York City named Helene Honk. She is looking for a secondhand book and writes a letter to a London bookseller to look for it. And it launches off years of correspondence and um, what ends up being a really beautiful long distance friendship between two super literate, interesting people. Um, I hate it when people say a book is heartwarming because I find that annoying, but this book actually is heartwarming. <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like that's what I need. I love books of letters so much. Yes. I love epistolary novels. I love, I just, I just love it. I love it so much. I made, I read a really, this is a sidetrack. There's a great book called The Supernatural Enhancements that I just read. That's all letters and, and diary entries and, and uh, transcripts of videos and anyway. I love that kind of stuff. So, so getting it in real life is even, is even better. So that'll be great. And we're hoping that by reading, you know, rereading it, we'll also, maybe some of you guys will try it out for the first time. It is a lovely book. And mm-hmm. I feel like it, it's just comforting and warm yeah. and comfort yeah. book. 
it's all good. Oh, yay. Well, good. thank you, Suzanne, for agreeing to read it. I know because I, kn- I knew that you had read it before, but I just want to read it again right now. What a fabulous suggestion. <laughs> that won't feel like homework at all. Right. <laughs> and so we'll get it done and we'll do another podcast in a fortnight and we'll be back on the podcast wagon, baby. That's right. And people will write in and give us suggestions about what we should talk to talk about with our homeschool topics. Yes, because they will think, poor Amy and Suzanne, they can hardly function. <laughs> I know. We got help us focus, people. Yes. We need we need help. <laughs> and I guess that's it for this Yay! very belated episode of the podcast with Suzanne and Amy brought to you by Homeschool Life magazine. And just to reiterate, as I think this episode makes it very clear. We would welcome ideas, suggestions, questions, (laughs) input for things to talk about. You can always email us at podcast at homeschoollifemag.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.